Well, good morning, man. That's some kind of cool walk-on music, isn't it? You know, Pastor Rex talked about some cool walk-on music. I kind of want to do it again just to, to get the good vibes going this morning. Hey, now let me see show of hands. Who had an amazing 4th of July weekend last weekend? Man, it was amazing. We live in an awesome country with many freedoms that people can't enjoy around the world, but I thank God for our country, and I had a great weekend. If you had Monday off uh, into Tuesday, it was kind of like a long, extended weekend, chance to maybe hit the pool or the lake or grill out or something like that. And uh, so, so that's, that's really, really cool. But one of the things I love most about summer is, is the movies. Does any movie buffs out there just love going to the movies? Right now, I don't think there's any movie worth seeing. But mostly during the summer, you get summer blockbusters, and it's a chance to, to go and, and just get out of the heat, get in the shade, get some popcorn, watch a good movie. And most of you probably know that one of my all-time favorite movies is the classic Dumb and Dumber. And I've, I've just made a personal commitment to myself that just about every time I speak, I'm going to find a reason to work it into my illustrations because I love that movie so much. And so one of my favorite scenes from Dumb and Dumber is when Jim Carrey has trekked across the country. He's in Colorado. You know that he met the woman of his dreams early in the film, and they got separated, and he has tracked her down. And he's like all anxious and nervous because he's going to see her again. He's like setting things in motion where they can kind of bump into each other. And so he's at the, the store. He's getting fitted for a suit. You guys probably know the scene. And he tries on these amazing custom fit suits. And he's just like, no, nah, I'm not really feeling it. Not feeling it. Harry, you know, they call him hair. He's just sitting there watching. He's like, no, nah, no. Nah. And finally, he comes out dancing and spinning. I found it, right? And what is he in? He's in a bright orange suit. It's complete with the penguin tail. You know, he's got the top hat, the cane, and he's like, I'm feeling it. This is the suit I'm going to wear. And so he goes to an event where he's going to see this girl of his dreams again. And I love this scene. He kind of just casually makes his way over to the bar, kind of turns a little bit, and he does this kind of number right here. You know, and I like to say that he's putting out the vibe. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Putting out the vibe. That's what he's doing. He's just sitting there and he's putting out the vibe. And you guys may not realize, but I have actually perfected the art. I, it's true. I've perfected the art of putting out the vibe. In my teen years, I probably was the coolest guy you've ever met. It's just, it's a fact. And my cousin, my brother, a few buddies, we would love to go down to Myrtle Beach because that's where you go in the summer. You go to Myrtle Beach and we would just spend the week putting out the vibe. And one week, one week, my vibe level came to, to such a high, all-time high in my life. It's only been downhill since this moment. I spent the week, my cousin and I, we were desperately searching in all the, the stores, you know, and all the cheap stores. Where can we find this thing we need to take our vibe level to the next level? And we found it. And it was the coolest, sparkly, silver, temporary tattoo Barbed wire. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? The barbed wire armband. You aren't cool at the beach until you're walking around with a barbed wire tattoo. And, and you got to, you know, when you're like 15, you walk and you stick your bird chest out there a little bit, you know, and you kind of walk, you got your armband, and, and you're just, you're putting out the vibe. And, and so that's, that's what I was doing. But, but truth is, whether you realize this or not, as Christians, all of us, all the time, are putting out vibes. And so we're in week two of a series that we're calling Good Vibes, 
And that's what I'm here to tell you today is that good, bad, or ugly, if you call yourself a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, you are constantly, all the time, putting out vibes to the world. And last week, Brody gave an incredible example. Recently, we had the chance to go to California for an amazing conference. While we were there, we toured the Warner Brothers studio. We got to see sets of different places where they filmed a lot of the shows and movies that we love. And he gave this really amazing illustration that... What we got to see in real life on our TV set is just an image or a projection of the real thing. And so hopefully as Christians, as Christ followers, we are presenting an image or a projection of Christ in everything that we do. But it's not always easy to put out the right kind of vibes. And I'm not talking about, you know, like good vibes or good mojo or karma or getting your feng shui right or sending out positive thoughts. That's not really what we're talking about. I'm talking about showing a real reason to live differently than the world, to be completely counterculture to the way that the world lives. Because honestly... I feel like Leesburg and Loudoun County and around the world, they are not busting down church doors to come in because we haven't given them a reason to. We have bought in so much to the world's customs, to their patterns, to their behaviors, that we don't really look too much different all the time. And I'm convinced that the moment the world likes what they see, then they'll listen to what we have to say. And so we want to start developing the right kind of vibes in our life as Christian that the world starts turning their heads saying, man, I'm empty. I'm, I have no purpose. I, what's up with John or Sue or what? They kind of have some, something going on that I, I want to be a part of. Because it's so easy to copy the world, to buy into to cynicism, negativity, and because those feelings, they come naturally to all of us. It's not like, you know, you got holier people or they were given, you know, the spiritual gift of just, you know, positive. We all naturally incline ourselves to just be negative, down, depressed, cynical. That's, that's how all of us come into this world. You know, uh, God, he, in the very beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. He, he formed everything that we see. He made us. And he, he made this incredible garden called the Garden of Eden. And it was perfection. He created this perfect environment. And he put you and he put me there in the form of Adam and Eve. And, and what did we do? We went and messed his plan up. We, we sinned. We, we didn't follow God. And it ruined paradise. And then yet we feel like we have a right to complain when things don't go our way, when things get a little tough, when, when times get hard, we're like, God, where, where are you? What, you know, things aren't going my way. And yet God has set up this plan in motion. But that's not where it ends because God loves us so much. He didn't just leave us there. You know, if I was in charge, I'd kind of be like, well, you made your bed. Go lie in it, right? It's like, figure it out. You, you screwed it up. So like you're on your own. No, God said, hey, I've got a plan where I can fix this. I can move on behalf of mankind. And so he sent his son, Jesus. He sent him. And so I believe that as Christians, the reason that we should be living our lives emoting and demonstrating good vibes, Christian values, is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And gospel is good news because what God has done for us It is good news. He's given us a second chance. And so I don't know if any of you are here and you're like me, 
And I don't like to try and be negative, but is anybody getting sick and tired of all the negative stuff you see floating around? If, if you've got to need an example, just hop on social media, right? You're going to find it. And, and so I won't call people out by name, but man, if you want a good example, just hop on my neighborhood Facebook page, <laughs> Greenway Farms. Go there and you'll get a good laugh. It's fun to just sit back and kind of browse. So, so my favorite all-time kind of complaining comment was, uh, oh my gosh, my neighbor's dog is pooping in my yard. And that would be annoying, but this neighbor was actually cleaning it up. They're like, why can't they make their dog poop somewhere else? And, and it's like, what are you going to like pick them up mid-poop? It's like, I know they have to leave their house, go by your house to get to where they're It's and, they, and people just complain. One time, not too long ago, some glass got broken at the Greenway Farms pool. And they said, hey, we want to be safe. We want to keep kids safe. We're going to drain the pool. We're going to clean it, make sure there's no harm to children. People went ballistic. Three days. I got to go three days without the swimming pool. Right? It's, it's insane. And you guys know what I'm talking about because we, we don't, we're not like that. I know that none of us are like that, but we, we see it. And social media all the time. And so uh, does anybody ever seen the Jimmy Kimmel bit where parents give terrible gifts to their kids? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like birthday or Christmas and they wrap like an avocado or a potato. And, and I'm like, Lord, please help us with this next generation because they open it and they're like, I want it on. And they're like screaming breaking this, the things that they're given. And it's always amazing when you see like the one kid out of a hundred that's like, oh, thanks, mom. They're like, I love this half-eaten sandwich, right? And so there's plenty of examples of, of negativity and cynicism around us. It's, it's all around the world, critical attitudes. Last week, I love the quote that Brody gave about the difference between a pessimist and an optimist. A pessimist sees, the, oper- uh, sees the, the challenge in every opportunity, but an optimist sees the opportunity in every challenge. I love that. And, and you know, today, complaining has kind of reached like art form levels. Uh, you know, if you go to like a fast food restaurant and you, you hop in your car and heaven forbid it takes like five minutes, you're like, I got places to go. I'm, I'm hungry. You, you, you know, you took my order. You served me. You were polite, but it took five minutes. Like I have a right to be served in three minutes. Now my schedule's thrown off, right? Uh, so, you know, we drive up to our homes. We, we push a button and a door magically opens for us. We pull in, we push the button, it closes. We, we go into our home. It's air-conditioned, right? We go into our, our kitchen. We open the refrigerator. It's full of food, and we're like, oh, there's, there's nothing to eat, right? We sit on the couch. You got like 100 channels of TV, and there, there's nothing to watch here, right? You go to your closet. You're, it's like walk-in. Like some people have turned bedrooms into closets, right? It's like, I don't have anything to wear. And, and so complaining has reached like art form levels. You know, in Scripture... The Israelites were just like that. They were freed from slavery in Egypt. God led Moses to take them out of captivity. He freed them from slavery, and they find themselves hoping for the promised land, but they're in the wilderness kind of wandering around. And they're like, you know what? I think we kind of had it better back in Egypt. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You were a slave back there. God's promised you a promised land, and you're like, I want to go back to Egypt. And that's like crazy. But the truth is, we're the same way. We're not naturally grateful. We want more. We want better. We want faster. We want now. We want instant. 
The tragedy is that most people will never experience a true heart of gratitude. And I'm so excited that I get to talk a little bit for the next few minutes about gratitude today because research shows us that gratitude is a key value of unlocking incredible values in your life like generosity and encouragement. Gratitude is like a key component to opening all of these doors in your life. And so today, we're going to take a look at the book of Luke. If you grab your notes, the text is there. It's going to be on the screens. I hope you'll grab a pen and and follow along and fill this in. I'm going to start reading in Luke 17. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And I want to just kind of take a time out right there because this wasn't like they're kind of sick or whatever on the side, like, hey, man, what's up? How's it going? You know, if you could spare some change or if you could help us out. These, these people were completely broken, completely broken. Not only did they have this physical disease, leprosy was just incredibly nasty, open sores on your skin that would ooze and painful and gross. But, but having leprosy in that time meant that you could not even be a part of society. You had to remove yourself from society, live in a band of lepers. Outside of town, you had to wear ragged clothes and shave your head. And everywhere that you went, or if people ever came near you, you would have to say, unclean, unclean, hey, back up, dude, I've got leprosy. You were not even allowed to be a part of society if you had leprosy. So these guys, they're not just like, hey, spare change, or hey, I could use a helping hand. They're like, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. God, heal us. Lord, have pity on us. And Jesus answered, he said, go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And this is kind of like an interesting note. The reason I think he mentions this was a Samaritan is in this culture, it would have been very odd for a Samaritan to interact with a Jew. And yet it was the Samaritan who turned back to give thanks to Jesus. And Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Ten lives magically, miraculously transformed in an instant, given the opportunity at living life again. Miracle done on their behalf, and yet nine of them have gone on to to just enjoy life, to kind of just enjoy the summer breeze, right? To enjoy the vibes. And one of them turned around and said, Jesus, thank you. He fell at his feet and he worshiped his healer. And I've determined that, that in my life, I hope that I can be the one. If 10, if nine go, I hope that I can be the one. I hope that Destiny Church can be the church that turns back to give thanks to God for what he has done for us. If there's a hundred and they all go, I hope that we can be the one that turns back. And so there's a there's a few keys to kind of unlocking this attitude of gratitude in your life. And I, and I want to show you how to do this. There's three statements 
that will help you choose gratitude in your life. And it's three statements that all of us can adopt and put in our heart in helping us to choose gratitude. And so the first one, grab your notes, fill this in. Number one, I know that every good thing that I have comes from God. In James 1, he basically says exactly that in verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Every single thing that we have, every blessing in our life, it's not been somehow created by us. It comes from God, our Heavenly Father. Have you ever been around somebody who was like annoyingly... Uh, encouraging or optimistic or happy, like like you find yourself like waking up in the morning like coffee, right? And and your spouse is like that person that kind of bounds out of the bed, like good morning sunshine, you know, like it's like annoying, right? I'm not the only one, you know. You're having a bad day, and your coworker is just like, I got a promotion, I, you know, it's like ah, uh, get uh, get away, right? We find people like that from time to time. It just seems like they always carry a quality of just being like a naturally happy, joy-filled person. And as I was kind of prepping this message, I discovered somebody who's a lot like that. His name, and I'm going to butcher this last name, but it's Nick Bajisic. And he, he probably is one of those people. In fact, I'm pretty sure that he's one of those annoyingly happy people. But the thing that makes him so incredible is he was actually born without any arms or legs. No arms, no legs. And this is a picture of him right here. And it's not like they just cut him off at the waist. Like, that's the bottom of his body. He has no feet. He has no arms. And you might look at him and think, he doesn't have very much to be optimistic about. And he certainly doesn't have very much to be grateful for. But the cool thing that I love about this man right here is he has discovered that life in any form, is a precious gift. Life is an incredible gift, and every single one of us have been given life with purpose and meaning. And the key to living a fulfilled life is uncovering and discovering that God-given purpose that he created us for. And so I got two pictures. The first one, I'll read the quote here. I love it. He says, I had a wave of faith and peace wash over me after reading John 9 when speaking of the blind man so that the work of God might be displayed in my life. And talk about a guy who is an amazing image, an amazing projection of what it looks like to love and follow Jesus. The second picture here, I love this quote. It says, God is using my life as just one example of how he can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet. Isn't that amazing? Born without any hands, any feet. And he is just, he couldn't be happier. He, he goes and he talks and he meets with students and people to, to inspire them, to, to show them what it can look like to follow Jesus. Because when you've been forgiven, when you've been healed, when you've been cleansed, when you've been given a second chance, when your past has been wiped away, when you've been made new, could there be any better reason to live a life of gratitude when your future looks brighter than your past? We have to understand that every good thing that we have comes from our Creator. And you might kind of sit back and think, well, hey, wait a minute, I, you know, I believe in a higher power, or, you know, the man upstairs but I had a little bit of something to do with the good things in my life, right? Like I worked hard for this. I earned this. I put in a lot of time and and there's truth to that. But but the 
reality is that you are a good steward of what God gave you. You didn't create anything on your own. You simply stewarded what God gave to you. You know, in the Bible, it's full of different stories of people that we can look to who had difficult circumstances, and yet they made the best of it, and God gave them an incredible gift. With Noah, he gave him a plan for the ark, right? He rescued his family. He was able to continue on with mankind. The Israelites, God gave them bread that would fall from the sky in the form of manna, and he gave them fire at night to lead them. David, he, he gave him a stone to kill Goliath. Jonah, it might have not have looked that cool at the time, but he gave him a fish to swallow him and spit him safely on dry land. Mary, he gave faith to Mary that she would say yes to birthing our Savior, Jesus. For the wise men, he gave him a star to follow. And to us, for us, he sent Jesus the Prince of Peace, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We sing about it today. The Lion and the Lamb, the Savior of the world. He gives us a supernatural peace that goes beyond our human ability to even understand. When Jesus left, he said, it's good that I'm leaving because I'm going to send my Spirit. And now we can live life with the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to guide us, to convict us to help us through life. He leaves us with his word, the Bible, to direct us. He gives us health to bless us, friends that can partner with us and encourage us and love us, a life that we can use to glorify God because every good thing that we have comes from God. God is completely good. He's constantly good. He's unchanging good. He will never be not good. He will never be a little bit less than good. Everything that he does is good. And when we embrace that, that everything that we have is a gift, it changes our attitudes, our minds, our hearts. And instead of an attitude of entitlement, we embrace an attitude of gratitude, and it overflows and helps lead to other positive attributes in our lives. So these are three statements that will help us choose gratitude, and I hope that you'll go home and put it on your bathroom mirror or tape it to your dashboard or put it on your fridge. Number one, read this with me, you guys, from your notes. Read it with me. I know every good thing. Oh, you guys can do better than that. We're going to read number one together. Here we go. I know every good thing I have comes from God. Everything that we have. Number two, I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. I won't let what I want rob me of what I have. I don't know what you want, but all of us want something better. A better car, a better job, a, a different house. I want to travel. Uh, if you're single, you're looking for a bay, right? You know, you want somebody to live life with. I want this, I want that, I want to, you know, on and on and on. We all, we all want things. And Solomon said it perfectly in Ecclesiastes 6. He said, better what the eyes see than the roving of the apple. And so think about it this way. It's better what you have than what you want. It's better to live a life of contentment, to be so thankful for the gifts of God than constantly searching for more, for better, for the next thing that's going to fulfill me. And, and I see this all the time. I, I think about it on every major holiday, every time we get to go on a vacation, because 
this is what I've, I've realized. Vacations are awesome, but pretty soon you're sitting there at wherever paradise you're at, and you're like, you know, I'm kind of ready to get, get home, right? Like, I'm ready to get back to work. I'm ready to kind of get back to, you're, you know, you're like, I'm waiting for the next weekend. Oh, that weekend was great. Next weekend's going to be better, man. TGIF, right? You're constantly waiting for that next thing to kind of like, let's throw a party. Let's have fun. Let's get with our buddies. And it just, it's a constant cycle of unfulfillment contentment, gratitude is a life that will be ultimately fulfilling. It's better. What you have is better than longing for something else to make you happy. Because when you adopt an attitude of gratitude, gratitude, (laughs) gratitude, that's kind of a funny word. (laughs) Gratitude turns everything, uh, gratitude, I'm messing myself up. Here we go. Gratitude turns whatever we have into enough. Gratitude turns whatever we have into enough. It's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. And more than just happy, who who are full of joy, who just understand what it is to live life, the purpose of being here, to to worship God, to to just spread his love all around the world. It's, It's not happy people that are grateful. It's grateful people that are happy. And so I'm not going to let what I want rob me of the blessings that I already have. So, so think about it like this. Most of us, we eat three, four, five, five, six times a day, right? You should really stick to three. But most of us eat multiple times a day. Uh, most of us have shoes. Not only do we have shoes, but you've got like basketball shoes, running shoes, mowing the yard shoes, house shoes, work shoes, right? We have like a closet full of stuff. We've got a bed. We've got food. Most of us have a car to drive. If you don't have a car to drive, then, then all of us have the opportunity to hop on a bus and get a ride. Uh, those who have a job are inc- incredibly blessed. If you make minimum wage, you're making 30 times more than the world average. Most of us ha- have a smartphone, and we will trade incredible working things for better working things, right? It's like, oh, this phone's a year old. What a piece of junk. It's like, I want to get the newest, latest gadget. We upgrade working things. Most of us hopefully have health. We've been able to travel. We have friends. We have people around us. And yet so many of us live lives that are just full of of dissatisfaction, just not being content, always looking for more. And here's what I would encourage all of you to do. If you find yourself kind of in like a woe is me, pessimistic, and life's just kind of full of lemons right now, here's what you should do. You need to go somewhere and look for some people who don't have anything, who don't have any of the stuff that I just mentioned. Go somewhere in our community around the world and find some people who you think don't have anything, and and you'll feel sorry for them for about two seconds until you realize that, that when you get around people who, quote, don't have anything, but they love Jesus, suddenly they have more than you'll ever have. They have, they have time, time with their kids. They've got spiritual hope. They've got peace that, that you don't seem to have. And suddenly you begin feeling a little sorry for yourself because they have so little and yet they have so much. And we who have so much stuff in our hearts and in our lives really have so little. And so I'm going to take a quick second to give a shameless plug for Saturday Serve. It's an awesome life group we have going right now this summer. We meet on Saturdays right here at 10 a.m., And we are going over to a neighborhood in our community, and we're having fun. 
with some children and families in our community that don't have stuff, but they are valuable to God. He made them, he loves them, and he's chosen us to go tell them about Jesus. And we are having a blast. We're playing soccer, kickball, we're throwing frisbees, we're painting faces, and we're hanging out with our community, and it will change your heart, it will change your attitude. And I want to invite you this Saturday, 10 o'clock, show up, meet us right here, wear some shorts and a t-shirt, it's going to be hot. We get out there and we sweat, and then we circle up with these kids, and we share a Bible verse, we pray with them, we get to know them. It's amazing. We're, we're about to send a team to Guatemala here in a little bit, and we do this every year. If you've never been on a missions trip, go somewhere, find yourself in a place where, you have, you know, where they don't have stuff, and let God change, change your heart. Because gratitude turns what we have into enough. And it's not happy people that are grateful. It's grateful people that are happy. And I will recognize that every good thing that I have comes from God. And I'm not going to let what I want rob me of what I have. Philippians 4 verse 11 says this, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Here's the secret. I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength because Jesus is the foundation of life. He is the, the, the firm foundation that is worth building a life on. Not your house, not your job, not your circle of friends. All that stuff can change so quickly. But Jesus... Jesus is the one thing that will never let you down. We just sing it. You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down because he's good and he loves you and he's calling to you and he's saying, listen, make me the center of your life. I won't let you down. Whether you're living with a lot or a little bit, he is what matters. Choose gratitude in a world that is entitled and tell yourself every good thing that I have is a gift from God. I'm not going to let what I want rob me of the blessings of what I have. Number three, I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. So you guys know what we're going to do. We're going to say it together. This is number three. We're going to say it all together with me. Here we go. I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. We're going to turn every blessing from God back into an act of worship before him. Whenever we don't turn a blessing back into praise, it turns into pride. Suddenly, we think we had a little bit to do with it. Oh, man, look where I've come. Look at all the things I've achieved, I've accomplished. Look at the kingdom that I've built. But the truth is, we simply stewarded what God has given us. Every time we don't turn a blessing back into praise, it turns into pride. We can learn from David's example in Psalm 103. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all of my sins and he heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. You know, It's a Wonderful Life is one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I, I said that wrong. It's my favorite movie. At Christmas, I don't get sick of it. I could watch it right now and just be like the happiest guy in the world. Uh, if you've ever seen... If you haven't seen It's Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart, you got to do it. Because this is a guy who had dreams, passion for living. He was really happy. He had ambition. He was young. 
And he found himself somehow saddled and stuck in Bedford Falls, right? He wanted to ditch that crummy old town and travel the world. And that's kind of how he talks. That's why I'm being weird like that. And he, he wants to get out of town, but his dad suddenly passes away. He assumes the business, and he gets shackled with, a, with an amazing wife, and he doesn't see the blessing there. And then he has like 13 kids or something crazy, and he finds himself towards the end of the movie saying, oh, I'm just sick of all of it. And, and, fr- and this angel who comes from heaven uh, answers basically his prayer that he said, I, I would have been better if I were never born. I wish I were never born. And he's like, oh, that's a good idea. Okay, I've made it where you've never been born. And suddenly he, he finds all of his world looks completely different because he wasn't there to live a life that would honor God. And all these situations that turned out good because of him were terrible, like his family, his work, all this stuff was like in shambles. And so through this uh, like sequence of events where he gets to see what it would look like if he had never lived life, he finds himself on his knees praying to God, God, I want to live again. I want to live again. <laughs> and I love talking like Jimmy Stewart. And I believe that many of us today have the opportunity to start living life again. Rick Warren says that both hope and hopelessness are caused by what we focus on. It's all about perspective. Brody did an amazing job last week helping us think about our perspective. It's all in your attitude. When the rest of the world wants to tear everything down, we're going to keep putting out good vibes for Jesus because we have an amazing, awesome God that loves us, that we get to live with, that wants to know us, that we can know. And we can recognize that every good thing we have comes from him. You know, the story of the lepers is really our story. You know, there were 10 guys that he talked about, and they were basically without hope. They were outside of society, had no chance at living a normal life. And Jesus, with one touch, with one word, healed them and changed the course of the rest of their life. And that's you, and that's me. In one instant, in one moment, in one touch from Jesus, your life never has to be the same again. I love in Psalm 63, David says, God, you're my God, and I can't get enough of you. I've worked up such hunger and thirst for God, traveling across dry and weary deserts. So here I am in the place of worship and my eyes are open, drinking in your strength and glory. In your generous love, I am really living at last. My lips brim praises like fountains and I bless you every time I take a breath. My arms, they wave like banners of praise to you and I eat my fill of prime rib and gravy. And this is the message version so they get a little creative. But it's like you ate an awesome meal and it's not not like you stuffed yourself where you're sick but you just feel perfect, right? Like, oh, that was delicious. God, you're so good. I'm so content. I'm so fulfilled. I smack my lips and it's time to shout praises. If I'm sleepless at night, I spend the hours in grateful reflection. You ever find yourself wake up at night just consumed by worry, fears, doubts? I want to just challenge you. Maybe you could wake up, not, not intentionally, but if you find yourself awake, why don't you just lay there and just take a minute and say, God, you are so good to me. Man, I'm, I'm here in a bed. Maybe you've got a spouse. Maybe you've got kids. You've got so many things that we take for granted But it says, when I'm sleepless at night, I spend the hours in grateful reflection because you've always stood up for me. 
I'm free to run. I'm free to play. I hold on to you for dear life and you hold me steady as a post. I hope that this can be the mantra that all of us live our lives by. Psalm 63, my last two subpoints here is gratitude is the proper response to the goodness of God. That's the proper response to the goodness of God. It's gratitude. And worship is the ultimate act of gratitude. And so I just want to take a quick moment to give all of us a chance to kind of recalibrate. And I want to ask if everybody could stand. We're going to dim the house lights for a minute. Nay and the band, uh, they're going to lead us in a song. And this is our chance to come before God and simply say, God, I've been missing the mark. I've kind of missed the boat. I've been so entitled. I've been selfish. I've got my eyes on all these things. You're the one thing that I need to focus on. I want to just invite you to sing this from the bottom of your heart. I want to ask if everyone could just bow their heads and close their eyes for a moment. And I want to give all of you an opportunity to allow God to make you new. And what that looks like is basically saying, God, I am like that leper. I'm hopeless. I have no hope. I can't make myself right with you because I've created a mess that I just can't fix. And that's okay because God created a way. He sent his son Jesus to take on our sin, our shame, our guilt. And by simply saying, Jesus, because of that act of love and kindness, I can claim that gift, free gift for my own self, and I can be made completely new, made whole, live a life of purpose. And so if that's you, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. And you can say in your, in your mind, in your heart, privately, you could just simply say something like this, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming and dying for me, for giving me the opportunity to live life again. I want to give my life to you. I want to be a projection and an image of you here on earth. I want to live a life filled with joy and hope and purpose. Make me new, God. I give you my life now. And for everyone in the room who just feels like maybe you kind of got your eyes off the right stuff and you feel like you're just wandering around with a sense of entitlement and you need to just come back to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for feeling like I'm in control, like I've done something great, like I deserve more. The truth is, God, that you are so good. We just want to say, Lord, we love you and we give you this time. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen.